Konnichiwa, my friends. Welcome to Master Samurai Tech Radio. This is October 9th, episode 21. This is a podcast for appliance techs, by appliance techs. We talk about the industry, technical stuff, and we're doing something a little different today. I say we. Um, got Ms. Samurai here with me on. Hey, Ms. Samurai. Hello. How's everyone doing? So, oh, yes, good. we're doing something a little different today. Normally, we've got, uh, we were using like FaceTime and a screen splitter, and it was uh, really cool. And uh, this time, we're using Google Hangouts. So, it's going to be a little bit different workflow for us. So, things might be a little, and there might be a few glitches along the way, but we'll, we'll muddle through it. Got a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Um, got a pretty good lineup of industry news, uh, some big, big names in the news. And we've got some technical stuff as well to talk about. So uh, let's kick it off with some industry news. Ms. Samurai, to you. All right. Well, one quick uh, update on employment numbers in the household goods repair and maintenance sector, which includes, of course, appliance repair people, uh, rose 5% over the past year. So that is very good news. That means more appliance repair people are being employed, it means it's a, it's a growing field. That's what we've been trying to say. I mean, there's a big lack of skilled techs out there. And if, if you know how to troubleshoot and fix stuff, you're going to find work. You're going to find meaningful, rewarding employment, or it's also a great uh, business opportunity. What else we got? Right. Well, we've got Samsung in the news uh, in a couple yeah. of ways. One is, so, so Whirlpool complained to the International Trade Commission that there are so many large residential washing machines, apparently this is all about washers, uh, coming into the U.S. that it's threatening the domestic players. So, you know, I see this showdown between appliances, washers, threatening other washers. Um, yeah, and so rather than, rather than, you know, make a better product to compete in the free market, you know, if you've got the political pull, hey, just go anti-Samantha, can you rig the market for us? You know, oh, we don't want to spend the money to make a better machine. And we're going to get more into Samsung a little bit later because there's a lot of, uh, there, there are a lot of, um, lot, there's a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding about them. People, you know, it's kind of like in the 70s when people were, you know, when the Japanese cars were coming in on the scene and people were like, you know, buy American or die American and all that kind of thing. Yet the Japanese cars were better quality, lower cost because they were just plain made better than the, than the junk coming out of Detroit. Um, and I think we're seeing some of that today. I'm not a Samsung fanboy. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's got their problems. They've got every brand, every design has its weak points. Uh, but they are definitely a competitive player. So I think rather than compete, what we're seeing here with Whirlpool is uh, using some political influence, my personal opinion. Right. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing about these trade agreements that are very long and complicated um, because they, they're often trying to protect U.S. jobs. And while that sounds good, but are they doing it at the expense of U.S. customers? So there becomes this tension between protecting jobs or allowing more competition in the market and just let the best appliances win. Right, and they're talking, when they, they're, they misname these things, they call it free trade agreements. Well, if it really is free trade, you don't need a bunch of bureaucrats and regulations regulating it. You just simply let businesses work things out and let the market decide. Let people buy what they want to or not. Let people vote with their money. But as it is, you know, they, you have thousands of pages in these agreements, and they want to call them 
free trade agreement. People don't even know what free tr free markets are anymore. It's kind of a sad state that they think this is free trade. Yet right. at the same time, Samsung, kind of getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but the next uh, news piece is Samsung is opening a $380 million home appliance manufacturing plant in South Carolina. Going to create about 1,000 jobs. It's going to be a high-tech, state-of-the-art plant manufacturing primarily washing machines. Did they do this in response to the Whirlpool suit? I don't know. This has been in the works for a long time. They've already got the approval of the South Carolina government. The governor's given his blessing and all that happy stuff. So I don't think this was done purely in response to Whirlpool. Maybe they saw it coming and said, well, this is how we get a foothold in the company. But look, is this any different from what uh, Ford was doing? They would have, uh, as Whirlpool called it, screwdriver plants. They would make the stuff, everything mostly in Mexico, and then bring them into the U.S. just to be assembled, and then they would say, see, it's an American-made car, when in fact it was mostly made in Mexico. But they play these kind of games with, uh, with free market, uh, you know, quote, free markets. But anyway, right. this, uh, this is the next, maybe you want to say some more about this uh, next news piece we got coming up. Well, I just wanted to point out one last bit about this whole trade thing is it's not a done deal because there's still a public hearing, and then after that, a report's presented to President Trump. And he will be responsible for the final decision. This will be in early December, whether to offer relief to the U.S. industry and what kind of relief will be offered. Now, he tends to fall down on the side of protectionism when it comes to trade. So more than likely, you know, he wants to be able to tweet about saving American jobs. <laughs> well, and the commission <laughs> has already fallen down on the side of, of uh, protectionism. They, were, they voted four to zero uh, for this deal. So and uh, Trump will have the final say. And I think you're right. I think we, we know how that's going to go. I just think it's, um, you know, rather than make a better product uh, with better features, and look, they've, like I mentioned before, they've all got their weaknesses. Whirlpool's got theirs with uh, various weak points. Any design that you have is going to have weak points because any design is an optimization of function, aesthetics, quality, and price. And so the way engineers achieve that optimization will vary among the engineering teams, among the different companies. And in doing so, they're going to in have certain weaknesses inherent in the design. That's going to happen. They're all going to have it. Nobody's immune from it. Uh, but to, you know, rather than try to address your weaknesses and, and fight in the free market, that just to try to shut out your competition, it's an age-old American tradition, though, isn't it, really? Well, I'm sure, and probably most countries do it. I, you know, we're just familiar with us. But, I mean, Samsung is definitely in the U.S. to stay, regardless of what happens with this trade issue. They, I mean, think about it. First of all, they've, they've over what the last decade, they're up to about thirty percent of the market share, roughly. Mm -hmm. um, they acquired Harman International recently. I'd forgotten about that, and they recently acquired Decor. Uh, about a year ago. There's a solid American company homegrown right. in California. And I mean, Decor is still, oh, by the way, I always wondered what Decor was. It's, it's short for Distinctive Appliance Corporation and was founded mm. back in 1965. Um, and mm. it'll keep operating basically as Decor. Uh, in fact, if you go to the website, there's no mention of Samsung, but there, it's kind of like how GE Appliances is now owned by Hire. Mm -hmm. um, Decor is now owned by Samsung. Yeah, this, so, is, this is the way Samsung is getting a foothold in yeah. the U.S. high-end appliance market, just by right. acquisition. Yep. And then, like you said, they're opening this new plant in South Carolina. They already have a call center in South Carolina. Right. So they're expanding their 
uh, yeah, the call center there. has 800 full-time and contract jobs already. So they're moving big in a big way in South Carolina. Good state to do business in. Good tax environment. Business right. friendly. It's kind of it's copying a little bit of what we see in the auto industry. I think about uh, what BMW has a has had a plant in South Carolina for a while. Yes, and uh, Michelin. In fact, mm -hmm. uh, one of my alma maters when I first got out of college worked at Michelin for a while as a process engineer. Yeah, and that was their that was their foothold in in this country as well. We're just seeing a globalization of manufacturing, which in the long run is beneficial for consumers. It, it causes short-term disruptions that can be tough for workers. Yeah, get the bureaucrats out of the way. But the other thing it does, it makes this whole attitude that you see a lot of times in some circles, um, there will be this hostility to brands like, say, Samsung, because they're the foreigners. Well, in this age of globalization, what does that really mean? What is the foreigner? You know, Whirlpool's taking parts manufactured in plants all over the world and slapping them together somewhere. Uh, is that a U.S. built appliance? I mean, Ford, and they're all doing the same thing with these parts built all over the place and then slapped together somewhere, either partially or totally in one country or the other. They play these little games with it to get around the rules. So what does it really mean? Oh, you know, buy American or die American, all that kind of thing. I actually heard this kind of ignoramus stuff in the 70s when the Japanese cars were big. Guys used right. to say that. By the way, I grew up in Georgia. So when I, sit, when I do things like buy American or die American, okay, I can do that. Okay, I'm, I'm a native southerner. So it's not that I'm, you know, living up here in Yankee land now, which I am. I live in New Hampshire now. And uh, I do it periodically slip into a southern accent. It's because I can't do a Yankee accent. It's not native to my ears, but I can do a southern accent. I know I don't yeah. talk with one, but, uh, but I can do one easily because I grew up hearing it. And I did, I did actually hear a lot of that kind of attitude. And I think that's what we're seeing today with Samsung. You'll see people go, Samsung, <laughs> isn't that clever? <laughs> I'd make that Samsung joke. Yeah, like, look, look, like I mentioned, they've all got their problems. But I think there's not a little bit of racism going on, too, with this. I, that's, that's my personal opinion because they're the Koreans you know, the kind of this anti-Asian stuff going on. And uh, I think guys just need to get over that. Get on the bandwagon. They're, they're not, you're not stopping them. They're up and coming. Well, and what about the fact that I know I hear you periodically, you know, we'll have somebody call us and they have a GE refrigerator, such and such, and you're like, oh, Samsung made that one. I mean, there's been all this behind-the-scenes crisscrossing. Oh, that's a great right. point, too. There's a lot of the GE-made products that were Maytag uh, washing machines were made by Samsung, some of their early front loaders. So, yeah, a lot, not the, not the Neptunes, but uh, some of the lines they had after that. Yeah, a lot of that stuff's going on. Oh, but because it has a Maytag or a GE label on it, then it's okay, you know. But, but not, no, you see that Samsung label? Some guys will say it like it's a badge of pride. Well, I don't work on Samsung. You know, like that's a mark of a good tech. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of behemoths, are you ready to move on to Kenmore and Amazon? So we'll we'll leave oh, yeah. uh, Samsung aside for the for the moment. And um, so, for the first time ever, Amazon is going to significantly enter the home appliance market. Apparently, just with kitchen appliances to start, and they're gonna offer Kenmore refrigerators and this article says stoves that just irks me oh, that ranges who says stoves no and you know what a stove is? a stove is what you use to heat your home or it also it does heat at the same time you're putting on the flapjack griddle and you cook your flapjacks on top of the stove that you got some wood burning in okay the ranges if it's That's got a right. cooktop and an oven it's a range so we all know Sears has just been going down. I mean, dwindling foot traffic. So they've had years of sales declines. They're 
They've already agreed to sell the Craftsman tool brand to Stanley, Black & Decker. I mean, are there, there's hardly going to be any different tool manufacturers at this point. Well, um, really what we see going on is just a continuation of a long trend with them. Kenmore is purely a marketing company. I'm amazed at the number of uh, our customers, our service customers that we deal with who think that Kenmore actually makes something. There's a Kenmore plant out there somewhere. There's still, a, there's a lot of, uh, a fair number of techs uh, who are maybe, maybe new to the trade who don't realize this as well. Kenmore is a marketing uh, gimmick uh, for, for, hope I'm not overstating that, but that's really kind of what it is. They get other OEMs, OEM, Original Equipment Manufacturers, to make stuff for them and it's probably the same production line, maybe with some additional features, whatever. They put a Kenmore label on it. Uh, liter technical literature and user's manuals are printed up, all Kenmore'd out. And then, it, and then Sears sells them. And the gimmick is, so Sears sells them with the Kenmore label. They've got the marketing recognition. And then at the same time, they will get people roped into Sears service. So that's kind of, it's kind of this, this long tail marketing uh, device that um, Sears Holding has come up with. And so what we're seeing is a continuing divestment of that and just a continuation of the marketing, uh, you know, device that uh, that is Kenmore Sears. Right. Just a little history. It's actually tacked on at the end of this article. Uh, the Kenmore name first appeared in 1913 on a sewing machine, and their first washer was 1927. And they do say here the brand is currently produced by Whirlpool, GE, Electrolux, and others. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of different manufacturers, and it's all uh, decoded by the magical three-digit prefix in the Kenmore model number. And that tells you, depending on the appliance, what that pre prefix is, who the manufacturer is. Right. Um, so a couple of interesting aspects to this is this fact that these appliances are going to be sold on Amazon could further reduce foot traffic into Sears stores. So in a sense... It's cannibalism. It's like they're they're just, cannibalizing they're themselves. I mean, they're, they're yeah. like... They're they're going down and they're trying. This is this is the bubbles of the dr of the drowning man that that you're seeing here. This is like going down once, going twice, and that's that's what we're seeing going on here with Sears. It's just a matter of time somebody's going to buy them out or something's going to happen with them. I, I I can't see this lasting. They're just spinning things off. Here from a number of Sears techs, just how difficult it is just being a Sears tech. I mean, there's virtually no uh, real training that goes on. They're they're uber specialized by laundry or some type of kitchen appliance. Um, some guys just do sealed system work, and uh, it's a it's a it's a tough life for these guys. And right. Sears, and they're not they don't manage this the um, uh, service business the way I think it should be managed. So there's there's a lot of this just managed by the numbers at Harvard Business School model. When really the best model is uh, what I call the Navy shop model, where you've got a tech in the shop or running the company who who's actually a tech or or an ex tech, but anyway, he's got enough of a technical background that he can understand what his technicians are telling him. If something's taken longer, he can be a sounding board, help him troubleshoot, or actually be the sharpest tech in the, in the organization and be sort of like the uh, uh, tech support for them. Mm -hmm. But we don't see that at Sears. That's, that's not what they have going on, at least according to what I hear. So speaking of Sears service, it'll be interesting, or it's interesting to think about if some analysts are correct and that this could be a precursor to Amazon just buying the Kenmore brand outright what would happen with service? Would it? Would Amazon then try to couple that with their in-home services that they're starting to offer, which is still fairly new. I don't know much about it. We live in a area, you know, such a rural area. They're not really pushing it around here, but I think in cities they're trying to 
have people schedule their home services through Amazon. Yeah, that's right. There was some talk about that that uh, went on at, uh, over to Plantology. That, and it's uh, from what I'm hearing, just first brush, I don't have any kind of printouts on this, but it's, it was kind of a lowball thing. So obviously they would take a cut and there's, you know, it's Amazon. So it's going to be at, uh, the appeal is that it would be convenient for people to book it and they would get a, a known price upfront and it was going to be a very competitive, meaning low price. So there's a number of um, uh, sales features that go along with this package. Right. One last little tidbit on this. Um, as I was poking around, uh, JCPenney, which of course just got back into selling home appliances after about a 30 some odd year absence, and that is yet another nail in Sears's coffin, I think. Um, they what are just, they selling? What brands are they? are they selling? Like just name brand uh, appliances? Yep, they they started with LG, Samsung, and GEs, and they just added Frigidaire. There was a big press release about partnering right. with Electrolux. So they're not selling it under the JCPenney label. They're not trying to do like a Kenmore marketing gimmick. They're actually Correct. selling branded Frigidaire, branded um, yep. LG, whatever. Okay, yeah, both in Good. their stores and online. Nice, nice. And I I love JCPenney for clothes. I mean, as you know, <laughs> great deals on clothes at JCPenney. Yep. So that's it for our industry news. All right. Well, so the other thing we was going to talk about, uh, we just had a few other things. Um, one is the Appliantology monthly workshops. Um, you know, Appliantology is a very sophisticated information tool. And it's not always obvious all of the features and capabilities that the tool has. It is a tool. It's a, actually kind of more like an instrument. So just like any tool that's, uh, that's got a lot of functionality, you want to uh, take a little time to learn how to use that tool. And so to make that more available to people, we have started offering monthly free wor appliantology workshops. Um, they don't take very long, they're fun, they're live, uh, they're all done on our join me. You can see them when they're scheduled over at appliantology. <laughs> they're open to anybody. So you don't even have to be a member at Appliantology. If you're interested in seeing what Appliantology is all about and how it's used and, and uh, some of its functionality and capability, stop by. It's, you, all you have to do is go fill out the three-line little form there in the calendar event, uh, which I can show you. And um, it, will, it will automatically send the... Uh, it automatically send the connection details to you. So I wanted to get the, just show you where that is. All right, so here we are at Appliantology. Told you it'd be a little e -e 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 as we were going through this, trying to just show some things. So what I'm doing now for the, uh, we are gonna have this audio, by the way, stripped out and available on our podcast feed. So for people who are just listening, what I'm doing is I'm showing the screen, a, a screen view of Appliantology here. So I'm looking at the homepage of Appliantology. And if you wanna see, the upcoming events, if you're on a desktop, you'll see the widgets on the right-hand side. If you're on mobile, and by the way, Appliantology is 100% mobile uh, friendly, so everything you can do on desktop, you can do on mobile. Uh, there are just a couple of, of small differences, but they're not really functional. But if you look down here in the announcements block, and you will see a couple of things here. One of the, the other one we're gonna talk about here too, and that's the uh, webinar recordings index page available for members. Um, but we'll put the, and there's a couple of announcements here, uh, top kendo masters win a hundred bucks each month. Um, we'll put the announcements uh, for upcoming calendar events here as well. So for example, this calendar event for the uh, upcoming Appliantology workshop that you see in the upper right hand side, 
that will be listed in the announcements block here. So I just wanted to just put that on your radar, just uh, keep that uh, available, be aware of that. Um, the other thing too is, uh, just to point out real quick, what uh, the webinar recordings index page, again, all I did was here in the announcements block up top, and you'll see currently at the time of this recording, there are two uh, announcements there. But webinar recordings index page, members can see these on all kinds of different topics, high quality, original technical training topics, uh, over 30 hours, you're not gonna find this stuff anywhere else on fundamental technology issues. So this, we don't do product training, that's not what we do. The people who are uniquely qualified to do product training are the manufacturers themselves. So that's not what our focus is. That's already done much, much better by the actual manufacturers at something like an ASTI event or something like that. No, this is training techs on the fundamental technology. We're backfilling uh, on the fundamental technology that a lot of techs don't have. Now, these are just webinar recordings, so you gotta kind of pick and choose. But if you want structured online training, you would go over here to mastersamuraitech.com, and it does sequenced step-by-step, unit-by-unit, with quizzes, uh, actual training. But anyway, getting a little off topic on that because the next thing we wanted to talk about is, did that turn backwards? Did that turn, how, did that show up backwards in the screen? No. Oh, okay. It looked fine to me. All right, uh, when, I, when I first switched back to this, I saw it, uh, all the text was backwards and uh, I didn't know if suddenly the site got rewritten in Hebrew or something, so. <laughs> Um, did you mention the date of the next workshop for people who are listening to this close to our recording? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so our webinars are always on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Not every Monday, but they're always on Mondays when we have them. So the Appliantology workshop is coming up on October 23rd, Monday, October 23rd at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Everything's done based on Eastern time, so you would adjust your time zone accordingly. And, and again, all of that would be clear to you in the calendar event. It'll all be spelled out for you. Who, what, when, where, why, how. Right. Um, and if you're listening to this later, we, at this point, anyway, we're planning to do these monthly. So just check Appliantology to see when the next one is. And it's, it's cool because these are great for anyone. Um, if you're an existing member, it's great to attend and, and learn things you didn't know, because I guarantee there will be a few things you didn't realize you could do at the site and it'll help you realize how you can integrate it into your workflow and make your your work more effective. And yeah, a lot of the features and a lot of the functionality is um, it's subtle and because it doesn't have to be in your face. Once you know where this functionality or particular feature is or how to search or something like that, you got it. You, you only need to see it one time. It's, it's, it's intuitive but subtle. So, but you just need to be aware of it that it is capable of doing this. I mean with anything from searching different sections of the site to getting notifications it's infinitely customizable and it's easy to learn this too. That's the other thing I want to emphasize. We're not, we're not talking about like learning how to program in C or some type of uh, you know, programming language. This is not, this is not complicated. It's just a matter of once you see it, it's like ding, ding, ding. Oh yeah. Okay. I got it. Uh, right. you, know, you see it, you got it. Um, so the other thing we're going to talk about is refrigerator sealed system repairs. Yes. Yeah, so, um, whether or not you know you know how, whether or not you currently do sealed system repairs, it's important for every appliance tech to at least know how sealed systems work, to understand the thermodynamics of sealed system repairs. And just jumping back now to appliantology, and I'm, we showed we had a, a two-part uh, down here 
um, at the very bottom of this list. So again, if you go to any page on Appliantology, the announcement block shows up. And the first listing there is, a, is webinar recordings index page. Just click on that, you're gonna see this listing. Down at the bottom, you're gonna see our two most recent webinars. These, are all, these were actually both all done in the same night. That's, uh, so it's almost two hours worth of um, uh, webinar. Went on for a while that, um, a couple Mondays ago. We broke it up into two parts, so we took a break kind of in the middle. But this is all about refrigerator sealed system thermodynamics, and it's covering all of the basic stuff that every appliance tech should know. Now, here's the dirty little secret. You don't need to understand how sealed systems work in order to do sealed system work. Okay, there, I wanna, I wanna just um, make that point again. You don't need to understand how sealed systems work in order to do sealed system repairs. In fact, um, I know a lot of companies, they will hire a guy and train him because it's relatively easy to train somebody to do sealed system work. You just, they just have to lug a bunch of equipment in and follow a procedure and you know practice a little bit with the brazing, get the touch, and there you go. It's, uh, they don't have to understand anything about how it works, the thermodynamics, anything like that. Just gotta have to, have to understand, okay, pump it down, find the repair, you know, all that kind of stuff and follow the procedure and then you're, you're filling according to these exact weight, the number of ounces in the, in the system. So the, you don't have to understand the pH diagram, you don't have to understand enthalpy, you don't have to under, understand superheat or, or subcooling or any of that stuff. To diagnose them though, yes, you need to understand this stuff and that's what we went over in those webinars. It's all about how they work. We got into the guts and the thermodynamics of how sealed systems work. The thermodynamics of refrigeration sealed systems it is like Ohm's law to knowing electrical circuits. Uh, yeah, you can maybe get by by bluffing around, by poking around, but unless you really understand the fundamental laws that by which electric circuits operate, you're not really gonna understand what's going on with current voltage, power, et cetera. Same with a refrigeration system. I mean, yeah, you may do, there's guys who do sealed system work and they think they know how sealed systems work and they maybe have an idea. But uh, what we try to do is really, and again, this is unique training, so we're trying to backfill and give people things that they aren't gonna get anywhere else, or they would, but at much greater cost than, and at much more time than just a, a you know, two hour, two part webinar that we did, which gives you all the um, background. And we're gonna continue this series of refrigeration thermodynamics, then going into different uh, problem scenarios and how they show up on a pH diagram and some of the design criteria. Right, um, one of the things we do at the Academy in particular, and oh, for people listening, um, the that same material those webinar recordings are available to master samurai tech students who are enrolled in the refrigerators course so they've been added to a module there um, but i wanted to say that we we dive deeper in technology than than you'll need for uh, you know a fair number of your jobs but that that deeper understanding of the technology is going to give you a lot of robustness as a tech you're not going to be um, you know, thrown by unusual situations. You'll have that, that deeper knowledge to draw on. Exactly. Very good point. And, uh, and it gives you that troubleshooting insight. And plus, if you're doing this as a professional, as a living, this is your career, don't you want to know as much as you can know anyway? And what I've got here, and what I'm showing up here on the screen now, I'm back to the screen share. I'm looking at my blog at Appliantology. Um, by the way, 2.4 million views, over 2.4 million views on my um, blog at Appliantology. I, kind of, I didn't notice that until you pointed it out the other day, and I was like, wow, seems like a lot. <laughs> um, 
But so if you go over a plantology and then you, under home, go to blogs, and then this is one of the recent posts in my blog there, you'll see sealed system. I've got an article here that you might be interested in reading. Whether you are doing sealed system work right now or whether you're contemplating getting into it, this article just sort of talks through some of the issues around it. First of all, it is not the pinnacle of appliance repair technical skills. Okay, it is foundational. It is not the pinnacle. You can take a parts changing monkey and teach them how to do sealed system work. Diagnosis is a whole nother game. We're talking about just doing the repairs, just the grunt work, the menial work of doing the repair. This post, it's kind of longish, but it's, it, I think there's a lot of good information in here. It gives you a lot of good insight into doing it. And there are situations, and again, it all depends on the condition situation, where doing seal system work is extremely profitable, particularly if you can get a, a good contract with a company like Sub-Zero or something like that, where you're doing their sealed system work and getting their COD referrals. But you can, it can also eat your lunch if you're doing it the wrong way. So this talks about through a lot of the issues surrounding sealed system work, including EPA certification, um, which you can get online. Uh, pretty much any idiot can get an EPA type one certification, which is all you need to do uh, appliance repair sealed system work because it's just an, it's an open book quiz and you're just parroting back exams. These are not technical exams, these EPA certifications. This is, this is just, just vomiting back regulations to them. That's all it is. Like I say, I really mean it. Any idiot can get a type one certification. And then I end off this article with technical documents that you can download and read. I think you have to be a member of Appliantology to get them. But these videos that I've culled from YouTube also cover some, um, some of the uh, basic skill sets for doing sealed system repairs. So, and they just link to various videos on YouTube. But it's all conveniently put together for you here. Uh, in a longish blog post, sealed system repairs, the mystique, the reality. So I just wanted to point that out that you guys look for that. Um, what else we got on the agenda? Oh, yeah, new thing. Kendo Master. <laughs> <laughs> Kendo Master, yes. And in fact, we, we started this new thing now. Um, first, let me show people uh, what we're talking about, and again, I'm at appliance. I know we're talking about appliantology a lot, but uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. You see the Kendo Master block when you go to the homepage at appliantology, Kendo Master. So it's showing the top masters for the week, for the month, for the year, and all time. Anytime you make a reply to a topic, you get points. Um, so whether it's a topic that you started or somebody else's topic, if you make a reply, you get a point. So it's as simple as that. And so these week, month, and year, it's just a seven, 30, and 365 day look back from where we are like right now in this week, I think, what's today, Monday? So it's just looking back seven days right now. And so for the month, it's just looking back 30 days from, uh, from today. So what we're gonna do at the end of each month, so like coming up end of October, how many days in October, 31st, 30? 31, yeah. 31, so on October 31, at the end of the day, we're going to uh, look at this monthly thing right here, and whoever's on top gets a $100 gift certificate from Amazon. And it is no gimmicks, no gotchas, and you can read about that again in my blog, The Top Kendo Master. Each month wins 100 bucks. Um, this is linked again in the announcement block, but if you link there, 100 bucks, do whatever you want with it. It's a gift certificate, a $100 gift certificate to Amazon. 
Um, why are we doing it that way? It's kind of a long story, but this, that's, that's the deal. And, but you can buy pretty much anything you can think of at Amazon. So it's kind of the same thing. Oh yeah. I think it's more fun. It's, it's more, more fun, fun to get a gift certificate. Exactly. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that out too. And, um, I think we just wanted to end off with some talk on our oven and range repair course. Right. Um, we realized that it's been, uh, it's been a little while since we did our last podcast episode and we had not yet released it. In that yeah. Last. So let me go over to Master Samurai Tech. Um, this is at mastersamuraitech.com. If you mouse over courses in the menu here, mouse down over a, a oven and range repair. If you click that, you'll go to this page right here that explains the course. We cover gas and electric, cooktops and ovens, uh, all the ignition systems, reignition systems. We get into direct spark ignition systems. Uh, we cover microwaves. Uh, and what's unique about this course, what I really like about the, and you can see sort of the, you can also see the um, syllabus down here too, and everything that's taught in the course. You'll notice all these case studies. What's unique about this course is uh, in our, our oven and range repair course, we have seven case studies where you're actually applying the 10-step tango to real-world gas and electric cooktop and range problems. Um, and so we, you'll, you'll actually get practice developing troubleshooting, applying what you've learned in the course, and also the 10-step tango troubleshooting technique that we've developed and solving real world problems on real world appliances. So you'll get the, the tech sheet and schematic and you'll have to use that to develop a troubleshooting hypothesis and you know, what you're gonna do, where you're gonna measure, what are you measuring for, and that kind of thing. And you have to, to do that, you'll have to understand how the circuit functions and which we teach in the course. So, right, so it's a, it's a cool blending of teaching and application. You know, the student is immediately applying it, which I think for all of us helps us to, to learn a little bit more quickly. It is. And like all of our courses, it's uh, very video based. So there's not yep. just a bunch of blather on a page. Um, almost every unit has at least one video in it where we're, I'm illustrating something and it's and, and explaining something or sometimes it's Susan or sometimes it's my son, Sam. But the idea is a human is, t is explaining stuff to you and it's not just a bunch of read a bunch of boring blather on a page. There is some text, um, but it's not a bunch of boring text. Right. Or man, we've seen videos that people produce where they write out a script and then it's obviously like a robot voice that reads it. No, oh this, is, this is us, baby. <laughs> well, it's all us talking painful. it up. <laughs> but uh, we try to oh. keep them short too. We try to. We've gotten really good um, uh, based on feedback from some of our other courses, and trying to keep the videos uh, shorter, so um, more granular, um, rather than have like an hour-long video, like some of the webinar recordings you were looking at earlier. There, some of them were hour, hour and a half. Um, we don't do that in, in the coursework. We try to keep them short and granular, and on a specific thing. If we have to cover more than one point, we try to break it up into, you know, two or more videos. Right. Oh, you forgot to mention that all the case studies involve everyone's favorite brand. Oh, yes. And, and of course, everyone loves Acme. That's right. And that's why everybody's clamoring. Teach us how to work on Acme appliances. <laughs> yeah. So it's a joke because on our when we do the webinars with 10 Step Tango and we're going over something, I have to take the tech sheet or schematic and blank out the actual manufacturer's name. Because if I don't, 
what, what everybody starts doing is immediately plugging into the parts changing database. Oh, yeah, GE, so it's got to be this, this, and they just start throwing out parts. Rather than thinking through the problem systematically in a, trouble, in a structured troubleshooting thought process, they just start shotgunning parts. I mean, and the whole point of the webinars was to get away from the whole shotgun monkey thing. Uh, so what I had to do, I discovered through trial and error, I had to blank out all the brand names and call it Acme. So it just disconnects that parts changing database and makes it a lot more fun for everybody, I think. Don't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's all we got. Listen, I just want to thank everybody for hanging with us, for tuning in, for watching us. Um, right. If you like what we do, let us know. If you don't, let us know that too. And, uh, but, you know, give us more constructive feedback on the stuff you'd like us to talk about, stuff you don't want us to talk about. Um, let us know. We'll try to modify, you know. But uh, uh, anyway, thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Sayonara. Bye.